I am Carter, and joining me, as always, is Jonathan. How are you doing, Jonathan? We're recording this on Labor Day, so holiday edition. I know. we. Uh, you are now a student again, and I am back teaching. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been teaching five years now, uh, so we're still seeing movies. I just rewatched The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, uh, and we're going to start by reviewing a recent horror film, but uh, yeah, mixing up rewatching classics for class and seeing new movies. Which we're having a ton of good new stuff uh, coming out. Um, film festival season sort of just kicked off. So Venice and is it Toronto? Or Tell Tell right is going Tell on now. Yeah. And Toronto starts in about a week. And then New York at the end of the month. So uh, so we're getting all the reviews coming in of the big movies that we'll be talking about the rest of the year. Um, but we are going to start with uh, what has just become A24's highest grossing horror movie. It's passing... Um, hereditary i think last week it is talk to me directed by danny and michael philippu aka raka raka what's with these uh directorial teams and horror movies having these like cognomens there's the people who did scream or called like i can't remember what they are but it's another one of those names um, well i mean they're the archers pal and pressburger <laughs> didn't do horror movies in the 21st century keeping tom one of them did but okay. yeah um, well, this is their directorial debut. They've made their name in YouTube horror comedies, generally, uh, up until this point. Uh, the movie definitely reflects that sort of sensibility. Uh, it stars mostly... Not a comedy. It's not comedy <laughs> it at all. funny moments. No. Um, starring Sophie Wilde and Alexandra Jensen, which are um, sort of new names for American audiences. And um, Miranda Otto, I think who most people would recognize from The Lord of the Rings film uh trilogy and uh, one of uh many many people that pop up in one of your favorite films of all time the thin red line it's true i don't think she she i think she speaks two lines in it um the movie follows a group of teenagers who discover that they are able to contact spirits using a mysterious embalmed hand only for things to go too far uh it originally premiered at the south australia film festival in Adelaide, uh, October 30th, 2022. Uh, it is set in Adelaide, Australia. Um, a US-wide release, July 28th, 2023. So it's been out for just over a month. It has a Metacritic score of 76 and a Rotten Tomato score of 95. Uh, this definitely fits into, I guess, the elevated sort of horror genre that's really established itself five or six years ago with the witch and hereditary and midsummer and stuff like that. Uh, I thought very similar to midsummer, maybe it's most disturbing scene was its opening one, which was incredibly effective. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're the, you're the horror guy. I mean, you, you're the one who wanted us to see this. Uh, for me, this was one of the like scariest movies I've actually seen in a long time. We've done a lot of horror movies recently that don't really disturb or unsettle me, but this one definitely did. You've got a little bit thicker skin than me. So how did you react to, to talk to me, Jonathan? Well, I think the movie's nightmare fuel, um, <laughs> but it 
movies don't like ever scare me anymore. Like I can be really affected by a movie and really get into it and think it's a uh, very well done film. And then as soon as it's over, I can go, oh, what am I going to eat afterwards? <laughs> I mean, not that it doesn't stay with me and it can haunt me, but movies, I, I mean, I've seen the most depraved graphic things ever. And, you know, I just become numb to them. But this is a very accomplished uh, first feature film um i feel old because this is one of a handful of films now i've seen in a theater in the original release that are directed by people that are younger than me they're actually (laughs) a little bit younger than me and another one i saw earlier this year was the boogeyman uh rob savage who is probably best known for doing the zoom horror film host he's younger than me uh so uh, and we have the film Bottoms that's out in theaters now. She's younger than me. I'll get to that. But uh, the idea that someone or a pair, uh, these are twins, uh, are younger than me and they made such an accomplished film. Um, yeah, I mean, you were saying they made horror comedy shorts. I had no frame of reference for them. I I'd never heard of their YouTube channel. I've never seen any of their videos. I just heard of this film getting uh, very good reviews. And I thought it was very effective. It's and I mean, yes, there's some like funny little moments, but it is like an out and out horror movie, like scary, disturbing, not for the average. Oh, let's just go see. I mean, I have a friend who said once and you could debate about the percentage. He just threw this out that like three out of four horror films are not really trying to scare you that badly. Uh and they're more just kind of like a roller coaster or haunted house. They're fun. They're exciting. And then there's one out of four that really do want to disturb you, that want to get under your skin to upset you, that are haunting and will not be easy to shake. And talk to me, certainly in that 25%. It's like yes. legit uh, horror film. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, it's dark and it's really graphic and gory and parts not consistently the entire movie but it's one of those films that's legitimately goes to the you know it goes up to the line and maybe goes over a little bit um (laughs) and it's it's shock and i mean it's kind of a classic horror film in some ways you know you kind of feel like the story's been told or aspects of it in other films but it just feels so kind of fresh and original even though some of the elements we've seem kind of familiar. Yeah. I was really impressed by this, especially, like I said, because it's such a young pair of directors and the fact that they started on YouTube, like this doesn't seem like some slapdash little horror. Like it feels like a really refined, like work of cinema of a film. It's a real film. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think a good one to compare it to, um, is a horror movie we reviewed earlier this year that I felt like was trying to go for this sort of mood. Maybe it's a little sillier because of the franchise it's associated with, but evil dead rise, um, which had so many things that were supposed to be like gross out kind of violence or shocking transgressive sort of images. But it just felt so sort of hollow at the core of it. And the, um, the movie just sort of didn't earn to be able to like shock you or affect you like it wanted to um, where you could really tell where a movie like that falls short compared to a movie like this, where you're watching the sort of people 
you know, commit graphic acts of violence and or really it affects you. Like you're you feel like you're seeing something that almost traumatizes you to a bit. Like this, I feel like trauma is not necessarily something I associate often with seeing movies because we've seen so many and become, you know, a little bit desensitized to it. But this was pretty much like a traumatic experience for me watching this movie and like a good not a like a good way, because it's not like I felt good going out of it, but it's it's just just extremely effective as a horror movie um that uh i just don't think we've had one like this in the last few years i mean maybe uh hereditary or something like that might be the last i've seen some rougher stuff that i've said there have been a few times where we reviewed films well no but it's not actually just the violence it was like the sort of thematic elements underneath it uh the main character who's a girl whose mother died uh recently sort of forms the emotional core of the movie um and like the sort of big twist that comes halfway through it i don't feel like maybe we should reveal it or not because it's not like that finishes the movie but like the person she contacts uh was like a really gripping moment and then sort of everything from that point on it sort of had me so even if it was stuff i didn't necessarily want to see um you like couldn't take your eyes away because you were so invested in what was happening in a way that Evil Dead Rise was just like, oh, look at this graphic stuff. Like, and at the end of the day, it was pretty hollow underneath. And um, this did not feel hollow. This felt like, you know, like a real movie in a way that, like you said, most horror movies are more like thrill rides or roller coasters. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with that if it's done well. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I mean, talk to me. The difference with Evil Dead Rise is that. Evil Dead, Evil Dead Rise tries to ta- like make you care about the characters, and I totally don't. And this uh-huh. one, talk to me, is actually uh, the emotions ring true, and it feels uh, it's not just that it's scary or disturbing, but there's a sense of you know loss, and there's a real you know sadness to the film. And uh-huh. I feel like with Evil Dead Rise, it's like here's a little bit of plot development character development for 20 minutes and let's just have a bunch of gross disgusting outrageous things happen to these characters in this kind of cruel mean-spirited way and it just it it doesn't work as kind of this outrageous you know carnival like you know attack of the senses with the gore and blood and all that craziness and then you're like we're supposed to care about these characters whereas talk to me is like a really effective drama where all these horrific supernatural yeah. horror things happen. Like it, it's it's like I've heard people say before, like some of the best genre movies would work if you took the genre elements out. Like Talk to Me is like a really solid drama where yeah, like there's teen like, drama about relationships and loss and and family. Hoping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's very well acted. It's one of those films where you almost don't think about the performances because like yeah. the, the kind of viscera, visceral experience watching the movie is so kind of full on. But they're so convincing the young actors and the, you know, the few adults in the film that. Also, you almost, I think it worked could... for it that they were sort of people he hadn't seen before. Um, so they really got to be the characters um, in this movie. Uh, in a way that it might not have been true if, you know, the lead was Zendaya and, you know, a girl from Riverdale or something like that. Um, also, I, this movie felt like very, like, it's happening now, like, this is the world we live in with its sort of treatment of um, 
you know, youth culture and peer pressure and the constant uh, presence of cell phones and the, you know, teenagers uh, obsession with documenting stuff. And, um, you know, like who knows if they even like watch all these videos or if they're just filming it for who knows what reason why, but it's a constant presence in this movie or cell phones and people videoing stuff in real time and the sort of flash coming off of the front uh, of a cell phone. It's really effective in the opening scene where it's just like, dozens of people with their flash on filming things and um just how strange it would feel to be on the other end of something like that um so you know things happen in it that really do not relate to the sort of things we experience in an everyday life but other elements felt very very true and and of the moment and like a world that we can recognize and you know know people who live in and stuff like that so to combine the very realistic sort of setting and and relationships and people with the gnarly supernatural stuff. It was, uh, this is, I think it's probably the best horror movie I've seen, you know, in the last three or four years. I mean, what, how, how would you rank it with some other ones? And I mean, there's been a lot of horror movies the last, since we've started reviewing movies in 2018 on the movie Brad's podcast, but this well, would be was bigger, gonna, right? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd have to like, I mean, I've seen like, five times as many horror movies as you probably even though true. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that I was going to say that I think the movie is very much of the moment but also kind of lurking in its DNA there seems like there's almost a kind of primal horror that feels like it's being passed down through centuries or that it's like based on lore mm-hmm. that feels kind of uh, like you're being it's like has its basis in history uh you know that like this the the basic conceit of the film could have been going on for hundreds of years i mean two movies that oh, yeah. kind of uh are similar to it um are it follows and smile uh-huh. uh the idea of some horror being passed on from person to person and the kind of uh struggle that someone can have you know the the guilt they can have of pushing off this horror this trauma that they're being inflicted with you know they can get rid of it but they got to give it to someone else um and yeah i mean i i i'd have to stop and think there's just been so many good horror films in the last uh three or four years i really like the one last year uh the sadness uh-huh. um uh that's a really graphic but that's kind of more of a definitely did not hit the mainstream like talk to me did no um well it's funny like i wouldn't disagree that it's elevated horror but i also think like unless someone is like i can't understand every single word that these australian people are saying with their accent like Uh you know if someone wants a hardcore you know goes their horror film like i think like the average person who can take a hardcore horror film would like talk to me it's not like super arty and like you know confounding Mm -hmm. and not that those are bad things i mean but like i wouldn't say it's as i mean the same thing as like the babadook is considered like an elevated horror film but that movie also just really delivers as a fun exciting disturbing you know emotionally uh resonant horror film i mean i think both something can be i mean like the witch in the it's lighthouse not something like Bo is afraid or midsummer or something like that no but I, I i yeah it's it's kind of the it it kind of has a foot in elevated horror like it you could classify it as that but it also works as just a 
uh, really solid hardcore. But, you know, like, I feel like if you're into, you know, legit horror films, you know, the average person should be able to enjoy it. But it's not for the average person in general, because most people would not want to see this because it's very disturbing graphic. But if you go in wanting that, yeah. it delivers. I mean, it's and it's one of the things that, you know, horror movies use the potential of cinema to make people react and, you know, feel stuff, even if it's not necessarily something people want to feel. So for me, this was one of the most effective in terms of just that and sort of creating an impression on the audience member and getting a reaction and having that reaction, you know, stick with them after they leave the theater. I imagine most people who see this will you think they won't be able to just shrug it off like you can where you're just like oh what am i gonna have for dinner now <laughs> and um i mean yeah i mean i i don't want to go into too many spoilers but there's a scene involving one of the people that they kind of become like possessed uh and he grabs his own eye that was a real cringe moment <laughs> yeah. and also there's some flashes where it's almost like there's this orgy in the pits of hell yeah and like and it's like oh my god <laughs> yeah that was part- one of the more disturbing images it's just like three seconds four seconds but you're like i don't want to see that again <laughs> yeah and uh yeah so this is a uh even more than just being a really good horror film it's one of the more impressive directorial debuts i've seen oh 100 uh, in the last 12 months i mean surely these people are going to be plucked up by some franchise or other um, Hopefully not, but uh, <laughs> I I will say that it's very cool that uh, fellow are they Australian or New Zealand? I believe they're Australian. Okay, uh-huh. so a uh, fellow Australian George Miller interviewed them. They had a discussion on Letterbox. There's a video interview with the two of them, and then Peter Jackson uh, sang their praises and said it's like one of the most disturbing, one of the best horror films he had seen in years. So it's, I feel like that's high praise. Right, the George Miller and Peter Jackson yeah. kind of grand masters of the genre are, you know, passing down their praise to these young up and comers. Yeah, and I don't know why, but I just I like the movie being set in Australia. I like the accents and stuff like that. That just sort of worked uh for this movie. Um sort of a small element to it, but um I'd be interested to see more, you know, movies that become mainstream in the US coming from yeah, because there are a lot of English language speaking places around the world that uh, I feel like could have movies that hit in the United States. So I think that's well the the Babadook is one I don't think made that much money at the it's box Australian, office. Right? Yeah, and um or New Zealand, one of the two. Uh, but yeah, there's uh some really great you know English language but not American horror films. In, mm-hmm. You know, in the last ten years, um. Uh, the Babadook is certainly one of them. And uh, Ben Wheatley is someone who's done some interesting. I haven't seen Meg too. Just the made the Meg too. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he's done before he went off and did a pointless new version of Rebecca and Meg too. He had been uh-huh. doing some really interesting British genre movies. But uh, yeah, yeah he took a to wrong me. turn somewhere. I know. He was like also in talks to do a Tomb Raider film. I'm like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Certainly can uh, get a smaller budget and do something more interesting. Um, Right. Well, a movie that uh, I think most people would not necessarily categorize as horror, but in many ways is just as disturbing and traumatic. Uh, It is. Wow. It's been (laughs) generating a lot of buzz this summer. 
it is a movie release, um, which is a streaming service that offers sort of curated uh, international um, dramas generally, I guess, but all kinds of different movies. It sort of presents itself as being a curated alternative to um, a streaming service and it's starting to sort of dip its toes into the distribution game. Uh, I think Priscilla is going to be a movie release. Also the Sofia Coppola movie. Um, I think a 24 is releasing it in this country and other uh, countries. Okay. It's, it, they released decision to leave last year. That's yes. one of their big ones. Yes. And uh, they don't just do foreign international films, but a lot of their, you know, it, it's very much like the criterion channel mm-hmm. in their kind of selection. Uh, but they have especially um, a lot of kind of arty auteur films. Mm-hmm. And whereas the Criterion Channel has, you know, that's too, but it has kind of more classic Hollywood and kind of classic 50s, 60s, you know, international Godard, Fellini, those type. But yeah, movies. Yeah, this really is good. a little more sort of contemporary oriented. Um, right. The movie is Passages, directed by Ira Sachs. Have you seen any of his movies? I have not. I've seen uh, quite a few of them, and uh, I almost feel like I have to have a disclaimer is that uh, I've hung out with him a little Ooh. bit a few times in New York City. He's a New Yorker. Um, there was this series that ran for a number of years called Queer Art Film, where once a month they would have a queer artist present a movie, and they would do a Q&A, and they would talk to them about it. And then those that wanted to, they would go to uh, a bar in the area. And so, like two or three times like I hung out with him with other people I mean it's not like oh we're the best friends and I'm like going to praise his movie because I'm you texted it's like, him, hey I, Ira I'm going to see passages I know <laughs> I will say though I did go see it a few weeks ago in Washington DC when I was visiting my cousin and he was there at the screening for oh Q&A. really got to talk to him for about five minutes afterwards with my cousin oh very the cool so, um uh so Frankie any- Little Men Love is Strange are the three most recent I haven't seen any of them yeah, uh, his previous film, Frankie, uh, was a film that had quite a cast. Isabel Huppert is in it, Brendan Gleeson, Marissa Tomei, Greg Kinnear. And it got pretty mixed reviews compared to most of his movies. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would say if no one's seen any of his movies and they wanted to watch at least one before seeing Passages, I would recommend uh, Keep the Lights On because it's a film about a tumultuous gay relationship where one of the people is a filmmaker. Which, which is, is true of very passages. similar to this movie, uh, yes. starring Franz Rogowski, uh, who uh, this I believe is the first movie I've seen him in, but has uh, been... he's in a hidden life. Oh, he's just one of those faces in a hidden life. Okay, uh, I don't remember the supporting cast very well from that. I've only seen it the one time, um, but it's been in a lot of international movies. Um, also starring Ben Whishaw, Paddington himself. And Adele Exarchopoulos, who I think most people would know from Blue is the Warmest Color, but has been in a ton of French movies over the last few years. Um, I think this is it's not like her first English language movie, but uh, she hasn't been in many. I think she did one with uh, Matthias Schoenarts, maybe, but I don't know if that was actually English language. Um, that's beside the point. Uh, <laughs> it depicts a longtime male couple, one of whom is a filmmaker. Uh, who the movie starts off with him shooting uh, his current project. That's sort of something that's in the background um, of most of the movie. Um, and during it was at the rap party on production, he starts an affair with a woman uh, outside of their relationship. 
Um, it originally premiered January 23rd at Sundance Film Festival, was released wide in the U.S. June 28th, a Metacritic score of 79, and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 93. Um, this movie was getting a lot, a lot of buzz sort of before um, I saw it. Uh, a lot of people talking about Franz Rogalski's performance um, and just sort of also, a talking point was that it, um, I think, as we were talking about before, this was initially rated NC-17, but was released uh, as an unrated film. Um, so that was something that was a part of the sort of talk around the movie, was its graphic depiction of sexuality and how, like, quote-unquote sexy uh, it was as a movie. Um, <laughs> I think this would be a hard one for an average moviegoer because... Most people like to see movies where they can identify with the main character and like to see, you know, people change and, you know, maybe at the beginning they had faults, but they overcome them by the end of it. Uh, this is a movie about just an unremittingly awful person in a way that is <laughs> it's not really normal for movies. Um, but you were the one who really wanted to see this. You saw a screening with the director. Um, and I remember you texting me after you saw it, uh, what you thought of it. So I'll let you. Uh, give your thoughts on passages uh, from Irish. I feel sex. like you're. I feel like you're giving me the first word on both because the first <laughs> one I'm the horror fan, and for this one because I'm the gay guy. But no, that's cool. Um, yeah, I gave I, a few words on it. No, yeah, I mean with passages, I think that it's a film. If you heard the basic premise, or even if you watched the trailer, you would think it was this really serious and almost, um, you know melodramatic drama and it is that to some degree but to me the secret of this movie is that it's a dark comedy like as it goes along especially it's funny it's dark and the characters do things that are so annoying and you're just like aggravated beyond belief by their actions and the way that they're dealing with people they supposedly love and have mm -hmm. feelings for um when i saw it in the theater there was a quite a bit of laughter in the movie i don't know if you saw yeah there was a lot for me because he would just say things or do things that you would just be like what <laughs> and your your only reaction was to like laugh or i guess you maybe like walk out you're so upset at what's happening so right. i didn't walk I mean, out so all i could do is laugh <laughs> i mean i don't think that all of the characters are completely unrelatable and they're not like realistic characters like they're no i think I they think... are realistic i think there are people like this and you know there are people who want them to not be like that and are willing to forgive some things but at, at some point it just becomes too much yeah uh, so i i think that it's a movie one thing i like about it there's debate these days about how like every movie seems to be like two and a half hours and some of them pushing three hours and this movie's like 92 minutes it's 91 minutes and a lot happens yeah, like, and it's it, there's a sparseness to the film, but it's just really packed with emotions and drama. But there's also this sparseness to it. Like there's just like things happen like, oh, he's with her. OK, now he wants to be back with a husband. And then this and then, oh, she has a what? And then it keeps <laughs> going. And all three performances are really, you know, top notch. Um, I think that uh, 
it's it's interesting seeing um you know ben wishaw is an uh, an openly gay actor who has like these big films like he's in the james bond movies he's yeah. the voice of paddington but he's been in a lot of you know arty independent movies uh, over the last many years iris Sachs said that one of the movies that got him you know inspired to cast him was playing one of the six bob dylan's and todd uh-huh. haynes i'm not there um and uh he said that he cast uh friend uh franz what's his last name Rogowski. Rogowski. uh in michael hanukkah's most recent film which has been six years now happy end mm-hmm. um but yeah i i just thought all three performances were really strong and they all work well together like when there's two of them together or there's you know there, there it's like all three parts work really well together and i would say that one of the things that this movie reminds me of is a, a fassbender film rainer Werner fassbender where uh-huh. there's kind of this cruelty to some of the characters <laughs> and it's like so kind of sharp and like art house film uh but there's also like a, a a real emotion to it. Like it doesn't just feel like kind of unattainable, you know. It's not like distant drama. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but there's the kind of decisions the characters make that just are so like they just go like, oh my god. You know, especially go like the Franz Rogowski character Tomas, the the movie director, who's like the biggest fuck boy ever committed to film. Um, ben tell Wishaw me what's the other movie oldest. title that this movie could have had you said yeah the was... worst person in the world I thought would have been a good title for it it's like right. for someone to not you know actually murder someone or you know commit like a heinous act of violence or steal or something like that it's just about like the worst stuff you have, you've ever seen a person well, I, I remember <laughs> like when I was watching like Mad Men and the Affair uh-huh. there were characters that were not murdering that weren't raping that weren't cannibals and like i was watching like game of thrones or the <laughs> walking dead and like i would say like i would rather hang out with the literal rapists and murderers <laughs> and cannibals from these shows than like the daughter in the affair or you know one of the characters in Mad Men because yeah. they're just so insidiously like unbelievably like despicable awful. so selfish know. like someone who's it, such an egoist they can't even think yeah, about other but, feelings but but he's still a compelling character and oh, yeah and and a rich character and uh charming in his own way like he's insufferable but he's charming <laughs> yeah so he gets away with it <laughs> right and it's not until like the very end he actually has to face the what is it it's like the meme it's like oh now i have to face the consequences of my own actions um yeah well the director talked about how he wanted to make a film where you have this director who's on a pedestal at the beginning of the film mm-hmm. and then by the end he's on the floor he's been yeah. put down on the ground and it's a um, great sort of final uh bits of the movie uh similar to uh, a scene from shame that was the uh steve mcqueen one right of the extended yes. take of someone going through a city makes really good use of paris as a setting and despite being set in paris and being called a french drama film it's basically entirely in english there's a little bit of french in it um but pretty much entirely in english uh ben wishall i seems to have started playing gay characters more often in the last six seven years or so maybe i'm just making a 
a connection that isn't there. Well, but he came out publicly in the last 10 years, I think. Okay. And uh, one of the things he's done is he was in this uh, mini series um, with uh, Hugh Grant. It's like a very British scandal. Very British scandal. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he was also in, um, I don't know if his character, it's kind of hinted at, but he's was in the best picture nominee women talking last year. And there's kind of a, did you get kind of a suggestion that his character might've been gay? Yes. Because it's that's like sort of what makes women. him woman adjacent kind of in that culture. Right. Um, yes. But it's in- incredible in this movie as the sort of, uh, you know, poor husband who suffers from this other person's actions. Um, and uh, he doesn't get as much screen time. I don't think as the other two lead actors, but in the, the bits he's in makes an incredible impression. Um, he has a really excellent scene near the end with Adele Oxartopoulos, which I think is their only scene where it's just the two of them. Um, but it's just incredible. And one of those uh, ones, one of those performances that isn't necessarily big um, and really lets the sort of camera do a little work because very small sort of reactions, little things he does create such a big effect. Um, he's just an excellent a, movie actor. There's a, there's a scene where there's kind of this quietly dramatic scene where the two men are looking at each other in bed and one of their heads is almost completely like, overlaid on top of the other guys so you're only seeing the back of one of their heads but there's such dramatic tension to that it's like the male character you know franz uh you know tomas is Mm -hmm. just you know he's so controlling and he's so kind of (laughs) manipulative i know and there's something about him blocking his uh you know the guy's face and you can't see it in the frame yeah it's one of those films too where every decision feels so uh judge like it feels so specific like the camera placement or even down to costume and stuff like that oh it has amazing like his uh tomas's top when he has that and he comes to visit uh Uh the girl's parents (laughs) and he's wearing that that scene was really funny just because you're like i can't believe what this person is doing right now yeah (laughs) just the way he talks to other people (laughs) Uh, i was just gonna mention another art house film that's like in theaters at the same time a fire christian christian petzold's new film Mm -hmm. he was the star of his two previous films transit and uh undyne uh transit one of my 10 favorite films yeah i remember you liking that one yeah but uh yeah very good uh i mean it's the type of movie where i think have we just become stupid and square as film goers whereas like if this movie had come out in like 1972 like it like could have been you know not like you know the godfather or blockbuster but like a top 50 grossing movie like the last tango in paris was in the top 10 highest grossing films the year it came out Oh, if you go looking back to the 70s, it's all kinds of stuff like that. Like, I can't deliverance. believe this yeah, movie deliverance made this much was, money. I know. So, like, I just, I, there also is this stupid thing. I feel like we shouldn't even talk about it, but where, uh, and I heard Sachs talk about in an interview where there's this thing that happens every few months. It's like every three months on Twitter, there's like two or three people seemingly that go, why are there sex scenes in movies? Why yeah. is there nudity? And it's like, <laughs> and Sachs was like, have you ever actually met someone no pun intended in the flesh, like an actual human being who didn't want sex scenes or nudity in movies or like had a problem with it. Like yeah. an adult who actually cared about cinema. And I know like, it, it like this is a movie that shows that something can oh, be very yeah. sexy and sexual and, and, and just how linked it is to people's behavior and stuff like that that like you know 
doing that act with somebody makes you feel a certain way and, you know, makes you think certain things will happen. And then for someone to, you know, use that sort of in a way to manipulate you can be like an extremely powerful narrative dramatic device. I mean, I know. And this is like maybe TMI, but I did think it was very interesting when you have the sex scene between the two men that Tomas, the one that's so kind of going on his own, he's the bottom. Mm-hmm. He's not fucking him, you know. He, you know, he's getting. Fu- I thought that was an interesting choice because you maybe would think the one who's like really making the decisions and is flamboyant and like full of, you know, energy. But yeah, anyway, yeah. No, it's, I it's think a- that can be read into certainly. I mean, I guess one sort of thing to end on. I mean, um, it's one thing people sort of talk about, uh, like normalizing representation and stuff like that. And I know how some people sort of problems with movies about gay people or stuff like that is they're all like movies of uplift to show like you know gay people can be happy together and stuff like that what do you think of just a movie about gay people that's just like this relationship is toxic as hell and this is just how it is i could even imagine some like old school liberals uh who could see this movie and not like have a problem i mean like you could have a problem with like how awful the main character is and his decisions how he treats people but being confounded by why would this gay guy suddenly like have an affair with a woman and leave his husband? But it's like the Iris Sachs said in interviews that this, these are younger people, like all three characters are much younger than him. He's in his fifties. And he said that, you know, he considers himself pretty much just like a gay man, mm-hmm. but the characters in this film probably would call themselves queer and would not put labels on it. And so it's yeah. like, you know, is the main Tomas bisexual? No, it's just like, he found a hot woman. And yeah, and sex of, <laughs> yeah. So I like the movie is kind of very uh, fresh and new uh, while also paying kind of homage to like classic French cinema. Yeah. It feels like a part of like, it's a movie in some ways it feels very fresh and new, but it also feels like it could have come out 50 years ago and calls back to a time where we allowed characters to be despicable and not feel like you had to see people do good things. <laughs> Yeah, so two very different move, two very different movies, but we both recommend them quite a bit. Yes, definitely, definitely not ones I would necessarily recommend to everyone. But if you want to go into a movie and really come across something that can, you know, shock you or make you upset or definitely make you feel a certain way, these movies will do that. They really use the power of cinema to get a reaction from the audience, and um, two of the most effective at that I've seen this year. so shorter episode today just the two movies um and we will be back next time with a special episode to mark the five-year anniversary of the movie brats podcast so we'll leave you with a a cliffhanger for for next time uh so we will see y'all next time uh thank you for listening